0: So, my name is Jeremiah Girard. I'm one of the, uh, I help Brittany pastor the youth here at Faith Community. So, in typical youth pastor fashion, I'm going to pull a very folded sermon out of my back pocket and then we will get going. So, uh, Pastor Vince has asked me to continue on with his series, The Questioning God, kind of examining um, some of the questions that God asked people throughout scripture. So uh, if you have your Bibles, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read verses 22 through 32. And if you don't have your Bibles, it will be right up here on the screen. I believe this is the NIV version. So if you're able to, would you please stand with me as we read the word of the Lord. So this is Matthew 14 verses 22 through 32. "'Walking on the lake. "'When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, "'they were terrified. "'It's a ghost,' they said, and cried out in fear. "'But Jesus immediately said to them, "'Take courage, it is I. "'Don't be afraid. "'Lord, if it's you,' Peter replied, "'tell me to come to you on the water. "'Come,' he said. "'Then Peter got down out of the boat, "'walked on the water, and came toward Jesus.' But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And here comes the question, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. You may be seated. Um, First observation, I'd like to mention, that word buffeted, I read it as buffeted, because (laughs) I love buffets, and um, when I listened to it on the audio Bible, I was like, that makes so much more sense. So just a little observation into the mind of who's up here this morning. (laughs) Um, Now to the serious points. The first thing that I really feel like is important to realize here is that Jesus actually sent the disciples into this storm. Jesus sent them right into the storm that they were facing. They were in this storm because of their obedience to Jesus. In fact, if they would have chosen disobedience, if they would have chosen not to listen to Jesus and said, hey, you go where you're going, we're gonna go do something else, If they chose disobedience, they would have been safe on the shore. They would have been out of this storm completely. But what we need to know here is that Jesus' plan was not comfort. His call was obedience. He called the disciples to be obedient to them in this moment. And just because they were right in the middle of this great turbulence, does not mean for a second that they were not right in the middle of God's will. Those two things go together in this story. And when we read about the disciples, they find themselves in some pretty hard times. (laughs) They go from fire to fire, to hard situation to hard situation, to people not liking them, to doing things wrong and getting called out, to all of these things. But yet there's still completely within the perfect, pleasing will of God. So what makes us think that it's going to be any different for us? And there's this idea that a lot of people hold that Jesus is some kind of divine meteorologist that understands where every storm is and is like, man, you know what, I like that Jeremiah guy. I think I'm gonna reroute him around this way. I'm gonna take this detour. I'm gonna get him around the storm. We, we hold that idea, but what I wanna tell you guys is that some of the storms we, are, we find ourselves inhabiting are God-ordained. Sometimes God is the one who sends us into the storm, and an, another piece of comfort on the other end of that is even the storms that God might not have sent us into Maybe the storms that happen because of life happen because of people around us, happen because of choices, happen because of other people's choices. We are never for a moment without God in those places. He's, he never leaves us alone. He is always, Romans 8.28 says, we, we know that in all things God works for good, of, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, So even those storms he doesn't put us in, he's right there with us, and he's working for our good. But in this case, he put them right in it. And for some of us, I believe God has us in a storm right now. And part of the reason that this message means so much to me is I'm going to put myself in that category. I feel like I'm in the middle of a storm right now, and for some of us in this moment... Faith might be defined as trusting God to keep us safe in the boat. Our whole idea of faith is that we believe God has kept us safe from every storm and keeps us out of them. And it's easy to think that because the reality is every storm I found myself in, God has pulled me out of. But it doesn't mean that he wasn't using that storm while I was in it. He is often at work in those places and I think a big part of that reason is he has our attention in those moments. I feel like when we're in a storm, it's a lot easier to be like in the story and cry out, help, I don't know what I'm doing, help me. God has our attention when we are in the storm. So my second point, not only did Jesus send them to the storm, but Jesus was with them in the storm. If we go back to verse 25, you don't have to put it up. I'll just read it. This is 25 through 27. It says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. So in this moment of being on the storm, of feeling this, of being on the, in, out in the boat in the storm, feeling all this fear, being worried, not knowing what's next, being buffeted, not buffeted, once again being buffeted by the waves, not knowing what is happening, Jesus appears and he gives them comfort. And we talk a lot about Jesus being the good shepherd and I love that concept. I wish I would've gotten the video, but I saw this video Um, of like thousands of sheep. Like, I can't even count how many sheep they are. And one shepherd, no microphone, no nothing, just says, come, come back. And they all come running. The voice of the shepherd is a very powerful voice to the sheep. So in this moment, Jesus gives them his voice. They hear a voice that they know it is. There's no question what that voice was So in this moment, their minds shift from fear of this situation to intrigue. They're like, wait, he's not on the shore. What is happening here? And I might not entirely understand history. If we have any, I know a lot of, do we have any stand-up paddleboarders out here? If anybody's a stand-up paddleboard historian, you may know better than I do. I don't believe those existed yet. I don't think Jesus is just on a paddleboard. So they hear this voice, they know it's not on the shore, they know it's coming from the water, and now they're intrigued. And then he says these words, he says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Which is already awesome, like just hearing that, it's like, man, this is so cool. But in kind of studying for this this week, it was one of those moments where I've read this story so many times. But God blew my mind. God showed me something I've never seen before. So I have a slide. The word used here in Greek is egoimi. I believe I said that right. If I did, great. If I didn't, I apologize. But that is the Greek word used here. And in our Bibles, it reads, it is I. But the more proper translation is I am. So if you know the significance of that word, when Moses is asking God like, hey, this calling you've given me sounds awesome, but who should I tell these people is sending me? I'm just Moses, who should I tell them is sending me? All God says is tell them I am sent you. And in that moment, he's saying, you could give them any name, but that doesn't matter because what is empowering you is who I am. I am is sending you everything that I am is sending you out and going with you. So when he says, I am, what he's saying is you can use any name you want, but what matters is these characteristics and these things about me, my, my omniscience, my omnipresence, my, my strength, everything, that is what is sending you out. And in the, same, in the same breath in the book of John, there are seven statements called the I am statements such as I am the way, the truth, the life, those statements given by Jesus as ways of giving statements of some, some parts of his divinity, Jesus being fully man, fully God, he gives these I am statements pointing to his divinity. This word right here, ego emi, is used for each and every one of those. So in this moment, Jesus isn't just saying, hey guys, it's me, come on out. Jesus is saying, I am. So these people's understanding of who I am is, it now makes sense that he is literally standing on water. It now makes sense that he has dominion even over these elements, that he has created them. So church, the God of the universe, the one who created everything, the all-knowing, all-powerful God was on the water in the storm with them, and if you would put yourself in the same category today as me, and say you're in the middle of a storm right now, I want you to know the all-powerful I am is right in the midst of your storm as well. He's there in a very personal way. But what I love, he did not pull them from that storm Immediately. And I think that's kind of an important tension for us to wrestle with because if we're in a storm, we want out of it. And if we're going to say, I know God's the one to bring me out of it, it makes sense to say, if you could do that now, that would be really awesome. If you could just get me out of this, that would be great. But he didn't just remove them from the storm into the shore so that he could receive the glory for it. What he did was he entered right into the midst of the storm. So if you have ever gone out in like a hike in the rain or you've been outside in a storm and your clothes are all wet and it's horrible, your socks are wet, every step you get that squelch, your feet are uncomfortable, Jesus is just as uncomfortable physically in this moment as any of them he's not separating himself from the physical discomfort they're feeling he's entering right into that with him and we know Jesus is God so that is why his presence gives us cause to take courage and in turn to not be afraid So what I saw here in reading this this time and what I think we need to see, peace is found solely in the presence of Jesus. Peace is not found in the absence of a storm. If we are in a storm with Jesus, we will feel more peace than being on the land without Jesus. And it seems that Peter recognized this. He was having his moment of knowing knowing God's power, understanding like, man, he said I am, and he's walking on the water. I think this is happening. I think this is happening. So what I love, props to Peter in this moment, he could have said, Lord, if it's you, get me to the shore. Lord, if it's you, get me to safety. I've been out here all night. I'm tired of this. My Birkenstocks are getting ruined out here. Lord, if it is you, please take me to the shore. But what does Peter say? He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Tell me to come to you on the water. He asked God to do it, he asked Jesus to do what only God could do. He asked God to do the impossible. He asked him to call him out onto the water. He asked for the presence of Jesus. And Jesus says, come, and invites Peter to join. He calls Peter to draw near. And again, my friends, there is peace when we draw near to Jesus So then Peter starts taking those steps, and Peter is walking on water. Now they've used the language. Now we know this is not a paddle board. Peter is walking on water. But then what happens is he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And what often fails to be mentioned here is it's not like he just looked away. What happened in this moment was he remembered the storm around him. He remembered, oh wait, this wind is crazy. It says he saw the wind, which denotes there's some kind of massive amount of wind happening. And in this moment, he's like, oh wait, I'm in a storm. And in that moment, the storm has overtaken his ability to be present with Jesus. The storm has now caught him up. He's now more aware of the storm, and he begins to sink. But then what does he do? He cries out to Jesus, and immediately, Jesus showed up. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. So in this passage, there are two moments Two situations where Jesus immediately shows up. The storm is not one of them. In fact, it says in verse 23 that he sent them into the storm and was alone later that night. And then in verse 25, it says he went out to them shortly before dawn. So not immediate at all. He left them in the storm overnight. He left them out there overnight but that's because this storm didn't scare Jesus. He literally trampled over it. like Literally, he was walking on top of the storm like it was nothing. He could control it and he knew that. The size of this storm is not what made Jesus respond immediately. It could never outgrow him. It would never be too big for him to be Jesus. But he does respond immediately twice here. The first time is when the disciples were scared. It said, ah, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. The passage said Jesus responded immediately. And the second time is when Peter was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus responded immediately. So he didn't respond immediately to the storm, but he responded immediately twice to the cries of his people. When his people cried out for help, twice, he responds immediately. Twice. While this storm is still going on, it's all still happening, he gives them his presence twice. They cried out, and he showed up. And then comes this question that Jesus asked Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt me? And what I love, he didn't ask him, why are you doubting me? Which I think would probably be the Jeremiah move here. Like, if he was sinking before reaching out my hand, I'd be like, why are you doubting me, man? You think I could do this? You think I could do this? And I'd make him like say that I'd make him like puff me up before I helped him. Jesus doesn't do that. He rescues him and then says, "Why did you doubt me?" And you get this feeling of a father talking to his kid like, "Hey, what happened there?" It's a teachable moment. He's not chastising him. He's asking like, "Hey, what happened in that moment?" And what I love another cool word thing here. The Greek word for you of little faith does not translate to you who doesn't have very much faith. It translates to you who has the faith of a toddler. So he's not saying you you don't have enough faith, you don't believe in me enough. He's saying you don't quite understand what is happening here yet. And I had a conversation earlier this week with my good friend Danny in the back, and, and he kind of made that connection for me. He brought up that what Jesus said here is You're not, you don't quite understand yet. And he's, he's showing him grace. He's asking him this question, but what he's doing in that moment is inviting Peter to examine his doubt. And doubt is kind of a big Christian buzzword right now, where it's like doubt, deconstruction, all of these things, which which is a very, very real place of doubt some of us find ourselves in. But that's not the kind of doubt that's happening here. It's not doubting whether or not God's real, it's not doubting whether or not he believes in Jesus, it's not doubting, man, am I really a disciple? Am I really a follower? The kind of doubt he's feeling here is in that moment, he doubted that Jesus was bigger than his storm. And I think a lot of us, a lot of us find ourselves in this place. A lot of us, maybe we've seen people around us have this awesome moment of being removed from a storm or removed from a tough situation by Jesus in a way that is so clearly God. And we believe in God, we come to church, we read the Bible, and we're able to make that connection that God worked for that person, but we haven't quite experienced that. We haven't quite had that moment where we see Jesus remove us from that storm. So we haven't been able to make that connection that he's bigger than the storm that we're facing. Maybe we prayed and prayed and prayed for something to happen, and it didn't happen. When I was a kid in middle school, my best friend's name was Clifford, and from the moment I met him, he had this huge lump on his arm, his kidney started failing really young, he had, he had to get dialysis, constant, I think it was like twice a week, I don't remember exactly, They had to even monitor like he could only drink a certain amount of water each day. And it wasn't enough. It was a terrible situation. So Clifford started coming to church with me. One of our small groups, he got a cold. The cold got worse. The cold got worse. The cold got worse. Every week, we prayed for Clifford in small groups. We prayed for him at church on Sundays. And the last time... I saw Clifford, he was probably 13. He was like five foot eight. He he wasn't a small kid, is what I'm saying, and he weighed about 75 pounds. His body just went out, and he passed away. And I remember after that, I'd be going through these situations. People would say, hey, you need to pray. You need to worship. My question was why? Why would I worship? Yeah, I believe in God. I get that. You tell me that all the time like, oh, you believe in God, so you pray, you worship. I get that. But I did that. And Clifford's not here. Why would I pray? Why would I worship? And I had to come to a moment, and if the worship team could start making their way up here, I had to come to a moment where I realized that my worship or not worship, if I worship loud enough, if I sang in the right key, thank God that is not a requirement, <laughs> but I had to realize that my worship was not what either makes God yes or no. And I fully believe in praying with all of our faith. I fully believe in getting on your knees and crying out. But that is not why we worship. Our worship is not some act of spiritual gymnastics that if we do the right backflip, God's gonna show up. Our worship is a response to the God who already has. Our worship is a response to I am, not to I will be. Not, I hope you will be if I do this. We worship I am. We worship the God who was, the God who is, the God who will always be. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is who we worship. So, for some of us in here, like I said, and if I'm the only one, then fine. But I doubt it. For some of us in here, we're in a storm this morning. There might be some kind of trauma like the Clifford thing, and we're, we're already thinking, you know what's coming. You know we're going to worship. I'll give you the spoiler alert now. And you're already thinking, why? You're already thinking, what is that going to do? I've tried to worship. I've tried to pray, and here I am. But as much as I wish it was true, Jesus is not the Waze app. And I love Waze. If you guys drive a lot, please download Waze. On a road trip, 30 minutes faster than Google Maps, no matter what, it is awesome. Their understanding of traffic, I don't understand what is happening, but that is not Jesus. He's not always gonna give us the fastest route. He's not always going to get us to Temecula 25 minutes faster, which thank God he did last week, right, babe? But that's not always what's going to happen. So this morning, I want us to worship. If you're in the storm, worship. Cry out. What I love, that was the response of the disciples. This passage ends with them all worshiping in the boat. So our response is to worship. If you're in the storm we worship. If you just got out of a storm, we worship. If you haven't been in a storm in a long time, you're like, man, life is good, we worship, we intercede. We intercede for people who are in that storm. What I love is when we worship, what we're giving God is our breath. And when God created Adam, what he gave Adam was his breath. So when we worship, we are giving to God what he has already given to us. So in this moment, we're gonna worship. And I'm not gonna promise you that your storm will end right when you start singing, but what I do know is when we start crying out, The response of Jesus is immediate. The response of his presence is immediate. So, if we could go back into something, and thank you.
1: Let us become. Become more aware of your presence. Let us experience.